Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Zach Slingsby. Zach is the founder of Human Factor Media, a collective of writers, filmmakers, and artists who are working to redevelop branded content to tell a meaningful story through video. His team has worked with brands including Planet Fitness, LG, Sleep.com, and New York Post, and they endeavor to develop branded content that doesn't feel overtly sales-like by appealing to consumers' emotions through strong storytelling. Today, Zach and I are going to be chatting about how to utilize branded content to tell a story that works, that moves the needle. We'll learn what does and doesn't work from Zach's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just seem to miss the mark. Zach, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Hey, Stacey. Thanks. This is great. Well, what I'd love to do is always start off by having our listeners learn a little bit more about what got you here today. How are you this mecha king of the branded content world? That would be the first time I've been called that, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll clip that for our pages. But um, <laughs> I had a pretty traditional creative background. I, I grew up loving writing and story and screenplays and movies and books. I was totally unaware of what the market applications of that could be, right? I just knew that I love these things. And I think most people who are creative know what they love to do, but they don't know how they're going to apply that to let's say a career or a lifestyle or anything like that. And I really didn't know for a while. And then after kind of having some frustrations throughout my twenties, I saw examples of branded content, as you said, branded content, which might be more appropriately called branded entertainment or branded narrative. And I was very surprised that they were coming from brands. And I thought, you know, that's something we could do. We're qualified to do that. A lot of the people that I knew were, we're at least as creative as the ones making that kind of content. And I thought we could try it. And so I was living in DC at the time that we started this a little over five years ago. And we just started making videos for small businesses and slowly got better at it and slowly got a chance at, at other accounts. And now here we are. Okay. And so along this journey, what has been your biggest learning lesson? What is it that Brands think they want, maybe, and they don't necessarily want. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It's not one size fits all, but you saying that reminds me of Henry Ford. You said if we had just listened to the customer, all they would have asked for is a faster horse. So I think there's a demand for very polished ads right now, very polished, quick, exciting, you know, highly produced 15, 30 second ads and they kind of think, okay, we'll make a ton of these. We'll pepper them all over social media. And usually they're right, but there's a shelf life to that strategy. And you're competing in a kind of a culture where the digital noise decibel has just gotten blaring. Right. And so we kind of are losing our ability to parse out those messages. And I think that that strategy has to be compared to the alternative. And the alternative would be, well, what if you made something to, in the way that we would say, what if you made something people actually want to watch? What if you made something that's not disrupting the consumer experience? What if you made something that's trying to appeal to people as human beings and connect with them the way they connect with their favorite show or their favorite movie or their favorite book? It's a whole other realm of their brain that you're getting into. And that's, you know, we talk about brand loyalty that surpasses 
you know, any kind of brand loyalty you could achieve with a direct ad or a product focused piece of content, at least we think. And with these quick ads that you're talking about, right? They're like the go-to that everyone does. Right. There's a benefit for doing branded content and the fact that it's very much like what we do as an agency with product placement and integration and movies and TV shows. You're creating content that has staying power. It has sticking power and it's going to be around versus something that is just one and done with an ad that the only time anyone's going to get their eyes on that beautiful content and creative that you've developed is when you have put dollars behind it. Hmm. So the goal is that you're actually creating branded content here that has a bit more of a life, right? Hmm. Yeah, well, what's the difference between that, right? What you're saying is the only way people are going to see it is by compulsion, if they're forced, if you're paying money to stop their experience and show them this and they can't skip it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what it means to put money behind it is, okay, until this five second ticker is up, I have to watch this. Or if I want to resume my YouTube video or until I want to resume my Facebook watch channel, I have to wait until this stops. So it's the difference between forcing a, a short video on someone or creating a page that someone might go to because they're genuinely interested in what's on it. That's a very big difference. And while with the creative and the ad, you might have, you know, an initial investment that is here, you know, at a lower level, since our listeners can't watch and see the fact that I just like did this like little tiny dollar (laughs) sign and squished my fingers together. But that lower investment dollar, you know, for the content creation, not that all content is cheap and affordable to create. I mean, a Super Bowl commercial can cost you a million dollars easily in one heartbeat, plus the celebrities who you might have adjoining it, right? But with the branded content, I mean, it's a little bit more of an investment because it's it's time, it's camera time, it's crew time, it's storytelling time. Um, but it's something that ideally it's going to be around for longer than that blip of the second of the commercial that's running typically, right? Good point. I, I think about it in a few ways. I, I think it can be more expensive. It doesn't have to be. I mean, generally you know, commercials are not cheap to make mm-hmm. and ads are not cheap to make. And we, at least in our case, okay, categorically, yes, branded content is more expensive. That's true. Mm-hmm. But in our case, we try very hard to be competitive. We also are a small shop. We're a production team in Nashville and a production team in, in Manhattan. And so we try to strip out a lot of the kind of rebar of middle management costs that you might get with other agencies, not to name any names would not do that. But, um, you know, I, I think that sometimes that there's, I think, I think it doesn't always have to be uh, an order of magnitude more expensive. It, it might just be that it's a little more thought out. And I think if you're working with a production team, that's kind of worth their salt, they can create ad assets from the branded content. You know, you have a couple of big production days and you, from that you have all types of deliverables, including something that can be overlaid with text or voiceover, something to make your point about your ad and your product. We're not saying you should never do that. We're just saying we don't think it's a good focus of your a good core piece of your of your campaign. Yeah. But, but what do you what, why do you I'm interested in your experience because you you guys obviously have some you have you have some appreciation for something that Hollywood can give that let's say, branding can't give, right? Like, why is it important for for a brand to try to integrate into a story whose purpose is to be a story rather than to, let's say, run, you know, run the top three reasons you should buy a a Gillette 
reason. Right. I think it's the exact same reason of what you're doing. So instead of creating branded content on their own and being solely responsible for that as a brand, you know, when you're doing that, you're responsible for not just, you know, create coming up with a creative, uh, putting your director's hat, writer's hat, you know, assembling the crew, get them all, you know, having them all do the shoot that you're ultimately respond responsible to for as the brand. But you're also then responsible for the media placement of it. Like where are you going to find eyeballs to watch the content and when you're doing product placement or integration in a movie or tv show you're removing those two levels where you're still going to have your marketers cap on where you're going to be able to help say you know here's the messaging here's you know the visuals here's you know the elements that we're looking for but you're not putting the producer the writing uh, the creative hat on you're not getting and assembling you team adventures to come together and be the camera crew and to handle that and then you're not having a part of making sure eyeballs come to that that's someone else's entirely different journey and path so i'm a massive massive advocate of branded content and the creation of it and leveraging other people's content for it or building it for yourself i think they're equally good there's two different strategies about it and i think both outperform advertising that's that's awesome yeah and so there's a baked in you would say there's just what baked in interest already? Yeah, the engagement factor. Yeah, I didn't even hit that lovely E word. That's like the right. wonderful world that all of us right. in the branded content world love. Engagement. You're actually getting your brand into content that becomes engaging. It doesn't become an ad. It becomes something that people are willingly putting their butts in seats, pulling out their phones, looking at the screens, immersing themselves and becoming one with and relating to it. And that's a different emotional connection than what an ad does. I mean, we might have tear jerkers of moments. I certainly cry at every Hallmark ad that I've ever seen. Uh, but you know, when we're seeing content and it's a story and we see a brand that becomes part of that content and life, and ideally in the branded content, Zach, that you're producing, my assumption is that you are trying to create a world where that brand can come alive as well in and be relatable to the viewer. And that has power because now, we are seeing and watching content where we could potentially step through that door and become part of that world ourselves. And that relates to us in a very different way. That's perfectly said. Yeah, I think that um, that's exactly right. It's the power of resonance, the power of story. A story, there's nothing more powerful than story. It hits a whole different center of the brain. It's uh, completely resonating on the individual level, which is really hard to do with something that's for the masses. You know, I mean, how do you know me? Uh, Walker Percy was one of, one of my favorite novels said that, you know, the, the problem with the only problem with science is that it can't tell you anything about the individual, you know, and the, the power of literature is literature really is the science of the individual. Um, and so that is uh, something that I think if you, you can borrow from that principle to inform something as commercial as branded content, because it's uh, it really does have the ability to talk to you on an individual level. Hey, so do you think that it's new? People say this all the time. People, when, I, when we bring it up, people scratch their heads and say, oh, I never thought of, you know, Staples making a web series that's like The Office or, you know, Fig Newton doing something about, you know, your kids having a snack, like making a, like a short film around that. You know, and it's like, what? people think it's novel and I think it is novel to an extent it seems like it's getting more popular but I also think it has a lot of historical roots what do you kind of think about that 
I think it goes back to the days of the Texaco um, television theater like that you saw, literally. Like, so I think that our original soaps were built around this. Soaps were created. Not, there's a word, soap. Oh, it is because of de- detergent. You got your housewife at home. You created content. She wanted to see that she would like forget about the children for a little while and she'd walk away from the washing machine. But oh, wait, there's a commercial break. And guess what that commercial is as well about that they're rehounding it. It's about that detergent that she's going to be using in just a moment when the soap is over. So all of those things, like branded content's been around for since the dawn of storytelling as far as visual content with television and film in the 20s. What, what is digital age doing to that? You think it's... it's? Oh, I think it's amplifying it massively at this point. You know, I think now we have it everywhere. And we've also, you know, with even our cell phones and the ability to get high resolution pictures, there's no excuse for a brand to not be able to create branded content in some form. And I think a lot of them do it for social media and they don't even think that that is branded content. Exactly. Like, how do we be entertaining on TikTok? Okay, let's do that. They don't understand, you know, they're not mentioning the brand. They're not mentioning the product. So true. It's really weird what's going on with entertainment in general, because we've options have totally proliferated. We have more than ever. And it seems to be flowing downstream. Like you have movie stars trying to go to TV. You're trying to become TV stars. But they're not coming to TV. They're coming to streaming. They're that, coming to that, that elevated that. world that's not, ooh, network or broadcast or cable exactly TV. Right. They're coming to OTT. Netflix, yeah. right? right. <laughs> yeah. Netflix, to Hulu, uh, Apple, Amazon Prime, like all these streaming platforms that give them a chance to make a 10 or hour movie or something that's way different than what they would, they would traditionally be giants on a big screen. And now they're kind of want to do these episodic, almost serialized uh, events. And then you have TV stars where people are known as TV stars going to YouTube and trying to have, trying to start their own channel and saying, please subscribe here. And then, you know, YouTube stars don't care about anything. They've made it. They, they're fine. They don't want to do, they don't want anything else. They have a subscriber base. They can prove, that they have attention. Um, it's really incredible how how it seems like what's the most coveted kind of real estate and entertainment is so far removed from what was traditionally kept behind silver gates, you know? And we used, you know, now we have, you know, the TV networks and the studios looking at those said influencers who you said yep. they have it made. And they're like, huh, if I put them in my content, Will they advertise out of the goodwill of wanting more people to see them in their starring role? And they're going to become the marketing machine that my film needs. And what we get though on that is a lot of influencers who don't actually have, you know, any talent whatsoever showing up on big screens all over the place and the rest of the public going, oh my, they cannot act, can they? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen many. I mean, I, I I know that it's happening, but I really don't know many examples. But I I mean, they they don't. I mean, wh- Logan Paul's fighting Floyd Mayweather. I mean, how does that happen? It's insane. Right. It's, He's it's, in a boxing world now. Like all he does is fight. Powerful. Yes. You can really, it seems, write your own ticket with a certain quantifiable attention uh, on these channels. Anyway, and then brands get become part of that influencer's branded content to become part of their story. I mean, the world I live in is all about becoming part of their story. 
whoever they might be, the movie, the television, the influencer, the celebrity, you know, we're leveraging other people's creativity and their content to embed a brand into it, become part of that world that and part of that entire storytelling experience. Mm-hmm. In the inverse that you are actually having, you're eliminating some of that need and you're having more brand control over the content that is able to be created and crafted and tell a very compelling story that the brand really feels is unique to them and embodies who their core essence is ultimately, mm-hmm. right? I think that's true. I think it's all, it's, it can be a longer tail. I mean, some of our clients, they don't, they don't care. They have a following, they have channels, they have, you know, they know they're going to get hundreds of thousands of views or millions of views just by putting the content out. And then some are starting from square one. And so that's a longer tail kind of process. uh, And they have to um, think through the things you're talking about, which is, is it worth it for us to start a YouTube channel and make video a month, video a week, or however many videos a year, and um, kind of fight that fight, which in in my opinion, I'm curious what you think, I think it is worth it in the long run to create your own real estate that you own, your own attention asset, your own theater page. Um, I think the power of that, even though it's a, lo- it's a longer process, the power of that is unmatched versus constantly trying to hijack someone else's uh, audience. Um, I, and I think it can obviously go both ways and we work in both capacities, but um, that's kind of, I think the debate or the position that, that a new company is in today or a young company or a company that just hasn't done much online is they have to decide, okay, we know we need to get attention. We know we can't do it by constantly talking about what we're selling. You know, what is the next step? Yeah. So what are the typical hurdles that you're coming across of when you're selling into a brand, this idea that they're going to, assemble your team, come forth, create this awesome content. What are the typical, eh, no, I don't know why's that you get? It's always right. Yes. Immediately. Okay. I'd like to change my whole concept of my business. I'm moving to yours. Understandably, this is not always a high priority because brands sometimes they're a young company. They have a certain runway, certain capital investment. They have to hit certain second, third, fourth quarter benchmarks. Um, it's not always, it doesn't always make sense for them to do it. That's true. I mean, it really doesn't. Sometimes it depends on, you know, depends on where they are. If they're at a certain level of maturity or if they want to be trying something out of the gate, that's going to try to, you know, it's going to have an outsized impact, right? So if they're going to, they understand that, you know, we're, we're going to show up and the famous example is the Dollar Shave Club that took a, a huge chance and obviously got like a billion dollar valuation a couple of years later off one very good video. That's a that's a Cinderella story. It doesn't always happen. doesn't usually happen. But I think that a young company can take that chance. I think they should, but I understand the objections. So your question was, what, what are the objections? Well, let's say one would be, well, how do they know what we do, right? How do they know what we're selling and how do they know where to buy? If we're making a a three-part web series about for a serial company, we're making a three-part web series around you know the golden moments that happen among families over breakfast, let's say. And you know, it's gonna cost a certain amount of money, and we want to get a return on that. And uh, in the long in the short term, we want to know that they know that it's our us that put it out, even though we're working with two or three influencers and it's gonna be spread across a couple channels. Well, what's I think really magical about social media that was not true in the commercial age is that you don't have to constantly mention the company. 
The reason is because it's just the technological switch. When you when you ran a commercial, you had to say brought to you by Duracell because people were on their TV. They didn't know where, who was putting it out there. When If Duracell makes videos now, their brand is always a click away. Always, no matter where those videos go, you're always right above it or right below it is the Duracell link to their page, is the Duracell link to their social page or their website. Um, MetLife has a really ingenious um, mousetrap for this where they have branded content stories on their uh, on their LinkedIn ads, right? So they'll run a LinkedIn ad, you, you click it, there's the story, that's all they're showing you. If you scroll past it, they have all the different insurance options for small businesses right below the the video. So the video is for you. It's an interesting, inspiring kind of vignette. And then below that, they have it. By the way, if you want to do business with us, here's what we sell. So they're uh, the shop now button on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. That's that's kind of another, you know, branded content uh, uh, manager's best friend. I mean, there's a lot of these small little ways to link what you're doing, which is emotional resonance and story value to your product. And to direct sales that you're looking for, because everyone is looking, you know, whenever you talk to anyone, it's, you know, you know, pay to click, like, like, like you want people to click, you want people to come to your website, you want people to buy. I mean, there's nothing that any of us are doing in the world of marketing and advertising that at the end of the day does not directly lead to a core desire by the brand to make a sale happen. No one's going to say, I would just like people to know about us. Well, it's top of the funnel. You need to have that happen. But the core of that is I want someone to buy my product, make it happen, make a sale happen. And that's how we unfortunately get judged across a lot of the tactics that we do. And it's fantastic. I, think it's unfortunate. I think that's, I think that's totally fair for them to make that judgment. I, I would just say, I would look at the time horizon that they're making that judgment over. That's all I would say. Well, I think it, well, that's the, it's the brands who are looking for that sale at the moment versus right. thinking about that overall funnel that they need to actually drag that person into hopefully not kicking and screaming so that you're enticing them to get to know your brand more and more and build trust and gain that authenticity and find a way when they actually are in the buying mood to have them hit that button to purchase versus we met, I, I speak with a lot of brands, I will say that out of the gate, they're like, okay, Stacy, tell me what I'm going to judge you right now. Is it going to hit sales? And that's a hard thing for anyone, anyone in any form of marketing or advertising to be able to guarantee that because there's so many other behaviors and needs that come into it. And branded content is one of those ways of telling a story and getting them into your layer and getting them you know, closer to your brand. That is part of that process. I totally agree. You can't guarantee that. Uh, but I think we can, I think we've begun to be able to quantify the value of a follower, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think, um, well, we know that a third or more of followers ends up making a purchase from that brand. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're have a digital, um, data team, as most brands do, you know, you're, you're targeting your campaigns at people who would be prospective customers for you already. So you're speaking to your audience. If your content team is any good, you're making content that is resonating with this particular demographic that you want to reach. So you, you can take a lot of the mystique out of it. And then after that, you're right. Does someone want to buy a mattress today? I don't know, right? Neither do you. No one does, neither do the brand, but you've got to compare this option against the other options that exist to you. And a lot of them are frankly terrible now. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it's not that these should come at the exclusion of 
direct ads. I think that brands have to do that. It's sort of a, a thing that, you know, they're going to get excited about 0.05% click-through rate or whatever it's going to be. And maybe the math works out where it justifies continuing to put money into that funnel. Um, and maybe it doesn't. But I, I think if you're not thinking about what are the long-term implications of this strategy and what are the long-term benefits of this one, I think that that's probably a conversation you should have. Yeah, I think it's even like when you're talking about branded content, you know, there's so many different types of branded content. You know, Zach here's very focused on building um, video driven content. Would you say that's accurate? He's not. Totally, exclusively. So there's also blogs, right? Someone can get involved. And as an agency, we started blogging in 2012. And I will tell you, it was like pulling teeth. I couldn't get anyone else on our team to blog. I was the only one who could blog. I figured it out, started it, just kept at it. And I would like get one person. And I'm like, one person saw my blog. Like, Whoa. Well, you know, now we have over 30,000 people who read our blogs on a monthly basis because we started this back in 2012. But yeah. it takes time to build that. And it takes time, you know, in our world, it's because of Google, it needs to like, identify it and serve it up and get in front of more people and all that. But all of this is content that if you're generating, and if you have a branded content video strategy, or any other branded content strategy, you are building for the decade to come, you are not just building for the now. And I think a lot of brands don't necessarily think in that far horizon view, that they need to be getting in there and creating content, or they are missing out. Uh, perfectly said. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know, like, um, what somehow our behavior as consumers is forgotten when we start to make decisions on the brand side. You know, we, we, we don't, we can't really keep in mind that we are prone to uh, aggravation when our entertainment is interrupted. We can't keep in mind that we delete 90% of the emails that come into our inbox without reading them. You know, we, we kind of forget that we have a pretty high uh, bar to clear for what's worth our time. Um, and with branded content, you have a chance to, a chance, not, it's not a guarantee by any stretch, but you have a chance to make the kind of thing that people won't skip, that they'll want to watch. You have a chance to be the email that they open and, and don't delete. Um, and that's such a superpower. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's boggling that you wouldn't want to experiment with that in some capacity. Maybe it's the written word, right? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a blog, maybe it's um, a collaboration, uh, but, you know, video is just another avenue for that. So what are some of the mistakes that brands can avoid along the way? What are the red flags that you kind of make sure don't happen? Well, we, I think that you can trick yourself into thinking you're making a story and you're not right. If you're, if you're, if the, if it's a very thinly veiled self-interested piece of content and it, and it appears to have a kind of vessel of a story um, I think that that is not worth too much more to you in the long run. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to get someone's attention only at the, you know, 92nd mark to kind of start selling them what you've been doing, what you're, what you're working on, you know, that's, I think in the same bucket as an ad. Um, so I would just be clear about the strategy. I think that there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that. It's just that that's a different strategy. Um, I think that, if you're trying to, if the, if the point of the video is a product and the point of the, and not something about the consumer you're trying to reach, the person you're trying to reach, then I think all that also falls into the bucket of an ad and not, and not a story driven 
mm-hmm. piece of content. Um, I think those are some classic mistakes. I think uh, fear-based campaigns. I do. I think if you're making, if you're creating a campaign in a terrified state about the quarterly earnings, that that's going to be that, that's going to show up, you know, in so many of the choices. Um, so I would try to do something out of a sense of inspiration and enthusiasm rather than just abject terror or failure. Okay. Any other mistakes that you see happen along the way? Um, you know, I think or misconceptions a, that brands may have misconceptions. I think it's a, well, okay. I think it's a misconception to, to, to think, and this doesn't, this isn't totally in our interest, I guess, but it, you know, it's a misconception to think that one video is going to be the parachute to success that, you know, you thought it would be right. It's not. And I see you shaking your head too. So I think you have to do a lot, no matter what you got to commit, you just got to do it. It's like saying, I am going to post one time on Instagram. Let's see what that will do for me. It's a good analogy. You could put, I think, Casablanca on YouTube tomorrow and no one's ever heard of it. And it would pretty much stay anonymous. There's so much great stuff going on. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot of chaff. We all know that, but there's a lot of really interesting creative things out there that are not either not given time to come to fruition uh, or are not promoted or, you know, yeah, or, or they make one version of it and they say, listen, we didn't have overnight virility here. So we kind of have to bury it. And that's that. So I would say that it should be, it should be a hedge strategy for sure, but it should be a strategy that's given some, some uh, leeway to come to life. And is there anything when you're, when you're approaching a brand and you're working with them for the first time, like, what are you asking them to gather material-wise? Like, how are you becoming informed about what the story needs to be that you're about to build? At this point, we do all our own all our own research, and we come in with a presentation. So we don't ask brands. A lot of agencies will say, look, sign this, give us a certain fee to do the ideation phase. And what we, we don't do that, um, um, and we don't plan to uh, for a while. We, we think it's good to... Um, we, we get hired on the strength of our ideas almost all the time. So we will come in with, uh, we'll get introduced to a brand. We'll have a kind of brief introductory call, ask a few questions, and then we'll come back with a deck, usually three or four ideas um, that we think would be great for the mission that they're on, the values they have and the people they're trying to reach. Uh, and we'll find out pretty quickly whether we have any common ground or not. Um, and, you know, if we do, we try to find the most, uh, the most cost-efficient way of executing them to to hit those marks, achieve that that goal. You know, we we think that the distribution strategy is as important as the creation phase, mm-hmm. so we try to lock in on that early on. Um, and otherwise, you know, we're just trying to we're trying to make something that is exciting for us to make and very exciting for them to be a part of. And brands really come alive. I mean, the people we work with get very excited, and it's a real creative exercise. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of people in marketing have some version of a creative background, or maybe they wanted to be a, you know, producer or filmmaker at some point in their life. And that happens. And that's fun to collaborate with them and figure out the, the right answer. And so since you touched on it, mm. dollars, mm. how much does it cost to make oh, branded content, which I know must be the bane of your existence? Because people ask me this all the time. And I'm like, there's a range. There's a range. What does it cost to make a movie? I mean, you can make, uh, I'm sure you could make I think Wes Anderson made his first movie. I don't know. But let's say you you make your first movie for 50 grand because no one's around to help. And then, you know, you get to Marvel level and it's $100 million for a movie. So what, it's, it's a very similar, it's a good analogy, right? Like we have, we have clients that say we want to do, you know, three production days and we want content for a year out of that. 
And so that's going to be, um, we're going to, we're going to do a lot with those days as much as we can. We're bringing a lot of resources and a lot of external help and uh, all of that. And that will be a six figure price tag, right? I mean, versus some folks come in and they're a startup and they say, what can we do with one production day and 15 grand? And we'll try to find a solution to that. You know, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're not, I would, you know, we're still early. We're, we're in the early innings. We're probably in the second or third inning in the business. I don't think we're at a point where we want to turn away collaborators. We want to make production oftentimes is trying to be as creative as possible in the confines of a budget. Um, so we, we, I think, uh, are, are able to do that. So it's a range, but, um, but yeah, we work on both extremes. How can our listeners learn more about you? Where do they find you? Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Human Factor Media. Uh, you can email me directly, Zach, at humanfactormedia.co. And our website is humanfactormedia.co. It has our our portfolio, our clients, our awards, um, and anything else you might be interested in finding out about. Zach, any last parting words of insight or advice to our listeners today? I would harken back to what we said. I would think through as a consumer, what do you watch and what do you skip? What do you read and what do you delete? You know, and if that is not totally in keeping with uh, how you're operating as a, as a brand, um, then I think that a, a meeting, uh, you know, internally is worthwhile. I, I think that everybody has great ideas. Here, here's a good one that I'll close out on 30, 30 seconds. Um, I read my kids, the Aesop's fables, you know, and they have a, uh, they're, they're thousands of years old. And it's so interesting to read them because so many of the lessons are applicable today. And one of them is, um, the bell of the cat who's going to bell the cat that's the name of the that's the name of it and all the mice are sitting around kind of figuring out well how are we going to stop from being eaten by this cat when he comes along and um i think that they're they're sitting there and they say well we'll put a bell on the cat when the bell, cat comes we'll hear the bell ring so we'll know that if we have to run away and they say oh everyone's a perfect idea and then someone says well who's going to bell the cat and then there's dead silence so you know when, when it comes to kicking around ideas in a meeting, I think everyone's really excited. But when it comes to how we're going to execute this, how we're going to make this happen, there's tends to be that silence, you know, who's going to build a cat. And so I think that um, I would say that this is a way to execute the ideas that you've had for a long time about what your brand stands for, what the values are, uh, and how you actually want to be known to people in the world. I mean, there's nothing more important. Um, so I think uh, humbly, that's our, our parting advice. Well, Zach, I think that is very good advice. And thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Stacey. This is awesome. I appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And if you do have questions, obviously reach out to Zach for branded content. I think he is someone who can very likely help you. And otherwise, if you want to get your brand embedded into the storylines of television and film and influencers and celebrities' very own lives, reach out to us at Hollywood Branded and our team can chat more about what we can do and how we can bring you into making your brand a star. Have a great one.